You're listening to the Theology of Music podcast. Follow on YouTube and Instagram, support through buymeacoffee.com, and subscribe to the only podcast exploring the hidden ecosystems within the theology of Christian music through unique and uniting conversations. All right, welcome to the Theology of Music podcast. My name is Joel. Today, I am joined by a friend up north, uh, a new friend from up north. His name is Dan Slater. He is the worship leader pastor at a church up in northern Northern Michigan, Traverse City, uh, where the summers are beautiful and the winters are brutal, as he says. Uh, and he's also a singer-songwriter, and he has a couple songs out on Spotify, which we'll talk about as well. But uh, Dan, thank you so much for being on this podcast, sir. Thank you, Joel. I really appreciate it. Happy to be here. <laughs> Well, so Dan, the cool thing, Dan asked this in the beginning. He, it was really funny when we were talking before the podcast. You're like, okay, so why did you invite me on this podcast? And I made the joke that I I had uh, one of the older, old guests, uh, Dave Whitcroft, I had on before. And he slid into my DMs and was like, hey, check out my song. And I was like, hey, get on a podcast. And, you you know, you did the same thing and it was great. And I said to you, and I, I'll tell this to everyone, man, is if you're going to be willing to to promote your stuff via Instagram to, to podcasters, like, hey, you know, be get, get asked to be on the podcast. Like, worst founded one can say no. And and then for me, I you, and you guys know as listeners, I'm really, I have a heart for people like Dan, just because as, I'm a, as a singer-songwriter myself, but also someone who used to, to faithfully worship uh, and lead corporate worship in a local context in the local church and, and write music on the side too as well. Like there's there's something about that that's very close, near and dear to my heart. And so anytime I, I have opportunities to interact with people like Dan, I'm really excited because they are what give me uh, the hope for the local church that it's it's easy to not have sometimes when you're you're no longer the person leading the music. And so I love to, to meet people like Dan and uh, we've had, you know, Dave Whitcroft as well on the podcast and Jason Stinson. So Dan, you, you told me that I thought that was really cool. You said you've been at this church since you were, since you were born and you, like, you've been in Traverse city at this church since you were born. What, what has that even been like? Like walk me through yeah. that. <clears throat> um, yeah. So I was, you know, born and raised here in Traverse city. And, uh, so it, it, it was the the church I grew up going to um, and it 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 started out it it's gone through a lot of changes over the years like lots of churches do it's just a uh, it's a non-denominational church um, and and yeah I my family was just always involved there and then um, oh when I became a teenager and everything I I that's when I started singing more and and you know, loving music more. I'd start singing on the worship team once in a while and, and you know, singing the choir for Easter and that sort of thing. And um, and then in youth group, I was a part of a youth group band. Um, and so, yeah, it just... I love that. It was just always taking, taking uh, advantage of different opportunities um, as, as the years went on. And then I, then I eventually was leading on a Sunday morning um, once in a while and, and yeah just kind of just a you know a small church like that where we used to average oh right now we're around 150 or so um, okay. it used to be 250-300 um, attendance you know but 
all that to say, I I know everybody there, and most everybody there knows me or knows my parents, or you know, it's just one of those small church family vibe right, kind of yeah. things. Um, and so that was just kind of that has been my experience growing up there. Um, yeah. So that, I lo- and I love that, and I I think what's cool about what you just said too is like. Um, like how you you kind of like cut your teeth in the youth group and that like you had a really good youth group experience which i think is very that's a big key for people like you who when when you have a good youth group experience especially within music like it it definitely endears you as as a teenager to uh to the church right there's a lot of kids who mm-hmm. when they're not on the worship teams they're just like ah oh, fine whatever like i don't want to go to i don't want to go to youth group like you know they're always like complaining to their parents but there's this weird, there's this like interesting community that you get as a youth musician. Like you're not, right. you're not selling records. Like no one's looking like, oh right, my right. gosh, you guys are incredible. Uh, especially not me. I was yeah. absolutely terrible. And I also wore the tightest shirts as a middle schooler. And my youth group youth leader made fun of me all the time. Uh, and uh-huh. and but it was like it was such a cool time that it. I think that was huge for me. What so do you think for yourself like that it did the yeah, same man. thing for you? For sure. So we, um, you know, there was, oh, we'll say half a dozen uh, teenagers that were in the in the band um, at its peak, maybe more than that. <laughs> but our parents were really, our parents were really uh, uh, helpful and devoted to, you know, um, getting there to practice, and and you know, they'd order us Papa John's pizza and stuff, and we'd. You know, there's the one guy who, who was, kind of the, the leader, the adult that was helping us. His name's Aaron Burns, and he was, he was super cool. And he, you know, he used to back in the '80s. He he, he uh, played a bunch, and he just really talented guy. But he was just a he really discipled us and and modeled what it was like to lead worship. And um, and we, so so our name. I, yeah, I think I remember this right. It was "Good Day to Die." That was, that was his. Uh, <laughs> that was probably a little bit of his. Uh, I love it. You know, rock days from the eighties coming in, but basically, it's a good day to die when you know Christ. So mm. you'll just mm. such, you'll such an old head. But so such an old Christian uh-huh. rocker saying. Yeah, and and so it was. You know, all of us who were in the band, we already were friends and stuff. And then, uh, especially a few of the guys, they were the ones who I continue to grow up with and we would go and play music at their you know at my buddy's house every summer I was there every night and just hours and hours on end and that's how we all cut our teeth just on our instruments yeah. and everything too um, but but yeah then we would uh, lead worship there on Wednesdays and yeah it was it was super cool and then and then you know on a Sunday morning we would sometimes play yeah. on a Sunday morning so the the big church would let us lead you know I love that which was super cool but then just myself and other people who would um join the the adult worship team and and uh you know being discipled and taught and modeled how to do it you know you gotta have that i mean i I think i and i love that's one of the cool things about small churches is you you got you got to have those opportunities to do like this the youth band led worship services and they were in my experience when i did that when i was young in youth group like they were always encouraging Whereas now it feels like there's, you know, there's such, there's such a generational disconnect where like 
if that hap I feel like if it would happen now, and it doesn't happen at big churches because it's people are too opinionated at big churches. At small churches, people are just they're opinionated, but it's a lot more family oriented. Like we're all just a family. Mm -hmm. But you know, I, I remember all those times when I did that when I was in youth group, and I and I would encourage anyone who's listening right now who has kids who are musicians, right? Who are are lear even learning music. I mean, it's. It is the hard part about being, and you know this just as someone who's a worship pastor for a small church, you're probably involved with the music at a, your youth group. Um, it's hard to be, and I did this for a while, it's hard to be the worship leader who also leads the youth group music team because you don't have the best musicians. But parents, you need to keep, you need to push your kids to try to try out for the worship team and and you know and maybe they can just shadow practice if they're not good enough but like what one of my favorite things was to do was to get these kids good enough and then when they were mature enough sometimes i would send i would let i would let them play with like the older people on a sunday morning and so one of my favorite things to do back when i was a pastor was i had i had this very musical family like the dad played piano the son was an incredible drummer and prodigy with like cello and the daughter was really good at singing and, and playing violin and, and piano as well and stuff. Uh, and so I, I one time got to schedule all three of them on a Sunday morning. And that was just uh, just a cool moment, right? You get to see like this is how families can do this thing of corporate worship. Like it's not just, hey, you go to your kids stuff. I'll go to my adult stuff. And so, you know, I, I think that's a very un unused avenue for parents to like really push their kids to get involved with you for the music for the music because like you said too you cut your teeth like you're i don't think you would be nearly as good as you are and your songs wouldn't be nearly as good as they are if you didn't do that yeah so, so were you writing at that time too or was that more recent uh no i i was writing i uh you know probably about the time i was 14 or so Somewhere around there, I started writing poetry, you know, and then, oh, this could be a song, and and it was, it it, it was a lot of a lot of rough songs, obviously, <laughs> when you're starting out, and uh, I still I still write plenty of <laughs> plenty of them that need a lot of work. Um, As do all. But yeah, of us. I, I started. Yeah, I started started writing. That was kind of an outlet for me, and uh, you know, an avenue to. Um, you know, I've heard you talk about journaling before on, on your podcast, and it, that was kind of my version, I guess, of journaling. Yeah, is, yeah just writing out, writing out songs and stuff. Um, but it was funny, you know, you mentioned, going back to what you said um, about about kids and, you know, parents encouraging their kids to, to play and everything. Um, we have, like at our church, we have... Um, a guy who he's actually a, a conductor at a at a music school here in town, and and he his uh, his two kids, well, all three of them, but they're all musicians as well. And so there's lots of times where uh, he and one or two of his kids will will play on a Sunday morning too, and that's just super fun. I love that. Um, yeah, and the other thing too, I, um, um, so I am, I spent. I spent a lot of time as like the head of the worship ministry, mm -hmm. um, and even it's always been a part-time gig. It's always been really, um, yeah. So it's 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 always been, um, you know, I had my primary job, and then basically, um, 
just super part-time to to uh, lead the worship um, and kind of head that up. And But then also alongside me, there was a couple other worship leaders, uh, actually husband and wife, who both would lead. Wow. Um, but kind of the three of us, as well as a couple other people over the years, but we, we kind of, it was just like a team effort, you know. And, um, and again, we just all knew each other, and the people on the team is just a close-knit family, and we know, you know, I used to work with your cousin, and I know your brother from this, and this. so everybody knows each I other, love that. and and it's just a lot of fun making music, you know. And then, and then recently, I in the last oh, a little over a year ago, I I decided it was time to to kind of step back from being in charge, so to speak. Right. And so I'm still still involved with uh, just on that team, you know. But yeah. um, but the other gal that is one of the worship leaders she kind of she kind of uh heads the heads the the worship ministry now but so for for you but i really like the team aspect of it yeah so for you when you look at like so you're you're part-time uh so you have a full-time job outside of it like what's what's one of the hardest parts about that but also like what's one of the best parts about that so the first thing that comes to mind the hardest part is is uh probably me comparing myself mm. to to what a worship leader so like let's say when I was in charge when I was leading it <laughs> I had this picture in my mind of well like I have a, a buddy of mine who's who's full-time uh, paid staff full-time in a, a church in a different state and um, and he's awesome and but like he tells me about different things he's doing he's, and he's all excited about different things and um, and that's great. But so like I have that, uh, this relationship with the person who does that. And I think, well, I got to be doing what he's doing. Or, boy, I need to have a small group meeting, you know, every Wednesday night with my worship team. And it, but I'm like, I can't do that. I'm, right. I'm working and I've got other stuff going on. Or like looking at, you know, looking at, um, oh, just other other things that are held up, other worship leaders famous ones for lack of a better term and or things you see on social media of these different worship leaders right. um, saying how they do things it's like oh, I gotta do that but but so that's the most difficult thing because I I I would tend to think too much that I'm a failure because I'm not mm. doing those things I'm, I'm not like you know meeting meeting the standard of what a what a worship right. leader is supposed to do um, and so that I could beat myself up pretty good, yeah. um, because because <laughs> no, I was feeling really like I wasn't, wasn't I, I, doing that happens a lot though. I mean, that happens even just for like mm-hmm. for for pastors. I know that they're they're. It's I think it's great. I mean, if you've listened to the podcast, you know I think everyone should be bivocational anyway. But a lot of pastors who are just like lead pastors who are bivocational can feel that way too because they're thinking you know they're torn. But uh, the nice thing is you you've had this opportunity to have like clear lines of you know you have you have you're called in some way to shepherd your team but you can't you can't overextend yourself and the cool thing is you have other people that you can lean into in other ways and um and i, and I think you're right I, you know i my my worship leader at our church at our campus at least he's part-time too like we, we both work in tech and but there's different things you know little things that like people just don't do sometimes like pray before you know pray before our practices or like when we're back in before services just saying like hey any prayer requests how's everyone doing you know everything okay like those little things that they're they're not they seem 
like little things to us, but they're massive to our teams when when you just show a little like a little bit of interest in the person's life and and shepherd them that way. But you don't have to be like, all right, we're going to talk about chapter five of Worship Matters this week in the back. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, no, OK, like, you know, how's how are things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I got to do a devotional with them and give them homework to oh do. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's kind of stuff. I did, dude. I did that in the I, beginning. I did that for a while, and I realized, like, uh, it just—it was so forced. Like, all right, what's my devotional for my team this it, week? And I, I just shifted yeah, to yeah. like, hey, what do you think of the songs this week? What truth stands out to you? And then that just felt more natural. And it also focused them on what we were trying to do anyway, which was connect with the songs, and so that the yep. people would connect with the songs too. So, sorry, you were going to say something. Yep. Well, no, that's fine. Uh, I was just, um, was reminded of. Uh, uh, this this good friend of mine who who used to say um, I want to get it right discipleship happens at the speed of relationship mm, that's really good and uh, <clears throat> so like thinking of thinking of um, oh just discipling a team um, like you said it's not you don't have to do the uh, the devotionals and all this you know, work too hard to, to muster up something, but just um, talking to them and, and what does this song mean to you, but then just building relationship right. with them. And like, I think, I think to, to just love someone and to, to show them that you care about them and you want to hear from them, and you want to hear what's going on in their life, all these things. Um, as you build a relationship, like in this case with a, with a worship team, the more, you know, the more fun practices will yep. be, the more your music will really just be, you know, really connecting, and the more that your hearts are going to be um, in the right place, and you'll all be, you know, have the focus of, of uh, singing to the Lord. You yeah. Know? Um, but as your relationships and your love for one another grow, then it, it just puts you all on, on mission. And like with, <clears throat> so like our youth group at our church too, it's the same deal. Um, my wife and I have been uh, involved with youth group pretty much our whole marriage, a little over 15 years here. Awesome. Um, and and she's so she she leads it, um, and we've over the years we've you know taken turns teaching and stuff, but but we've um, we just love doing it, and it's it's the same thing that she's always hammering in to the kids is relationship, relationship, yep. relationship, like loving one another, talking to each other. Um, yeah. I love that. And, it, it, you know, I tell people, I always would tell this when, when I was in ministry and I was doing premarital counseling, I would always tell the the couple um, that you need to do ministry together when you're young married because you, it really gets, one, it teaches you how the other person engages in ministry, right? So, like, I always would tell people if you're young and married, get involved with the youth group. One, it shows you, like it gives you a really good view of like what it means to be, you know, what teenagers are going through now. And it gives you a better idea of like, when you want to start having kids like this, you, yeah. you are going to see what they're going through. You get a little snapshot. Um, but also too, you get an opportunity to see the other person uh, in ministry, which endears you to them a little bit differently than just being like, let's go to church on Sunday and that's it. Um, and it teaches you to be sacrificial, right? It teaches you to, you know, to give of yourself to, to these kids and your time. And so, um, which I think is, is cool. And I'm sure you, you guys, you know, I'm, I'm assuming, but I'm sure you guys have a really healthy marriage because you guys really, you spent 
your whole, I mean, your whole marriage now doing it, but you spent all those early years in ministry together, which is just a fun thing. Like even when my wife and I just would sing together on Sundays, like back before kids, it just was always so sweet when we were, you know, we didn't have any kids and we'd be on, we'd scheduled, be scheduled the same day. And it was just so fun, you know, going to church mm-hmm. together, playing, singing our songs, playing together and then go home. And it was just like this cool, endearing thing for both of us. And so I love that for you. And I, if anyone's listening you, if, and you're married, and you're at church and you're not serving together, you're like, you're really missing out. Do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what about, so with your songs, right? You, you've got these two songs that came, that, so they came out like 2021. Um, do you, one, before we talk about them, do you have any new music that's coming out? Uh, n- not, uh, nothing in, on the How books. I, I want to, uh, <laughs> I've, you know, I've, <clears throat> I record stuff like, like you and I talked about before, I, I have audacity on my laptop, yeah. so I'm just, uh, you know, I, I record little demos of things and throw them on YouTube and whatever and social media. So I'm always writing, um, always writing stuff uh, and just toying around with things. And I, I, I've been kind of making a goal for myself to record another single or two in the next Do year. Um, but uh, I mean, it's not cheap. Do it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I totally want to. Yeah. Um, so, so with your your songs that you released before, so you've got "Remind Me of Grace," uh, and then you've got "Until Then." When did you write those? Because I mean, I know as someone who's who writes songs, like a lot of times, some of my songs that I'm releasing uh, were written like five, six years ago, or like or like last week. Yeah. Right? Like it could it could literally be like I wrote it last week, or I wrote it five years ago, and I looked at it again and went, "Oh, that's pretty good." So when did you write those? Yeah. Like, and what was the context around them? Uh, so let's see. Remind me of Grace is the the older one, and that was oh, it's about five, like you said, five six years ago. <laughs> about the same for that one. Um, yeah. So I, um, and that was one that it kind of kind of came came to me pretty quickly over the course of a week or whatever. Um, and gosh, I remember. I remember the first, the first verse. That, uh, it says, "Whenever my heart is torn asunder, the the weight of this world is bruising me. Remind me of grace that's overwhelming, redemption as strong as the rolling sea." So I think I was, I was uh, having a particular rough moment in my day. Well, in my week probably, mm-hmm. but it was, it was feeling. Uh, it was feeling pretty heavy at a certain time of the day and I I just started uh, kind of writing that verse mm. as a as a prayer I guess and as a yeah it just kind of came to me and um, and then the just the, the the chorus that says um, oh the kindness grace and wondrous love of God forgiveness given and shame removed from us May the only boast I make be in response to the kindness, grace, and wondrous love of God. Um, Which is such a great chorus. And so that was just... Love it. Super uh, catchy, thanks. too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that was just kind of the... Yeah, just my response um, to to feeling that weightiness, like um, just to think about the kindness and the grace and the love of God. Um yeah, that, that's kind of where that one came yeah. from. And then the, the other verses, 
um, just kind of stacked on top of that. Um, and I and I I love yeah. that you know, and, and I don't know how much traction you've gotten from that song, but I, I think one the musicality is really cool. I think did you play all the parts or did you get other people to play? Um, no, I didn't. So I had, <clears throat> let's see, I I I did all the vocal tracks and the the drums and the, all the keys. Nice job. Um, and then my uh, thanks my. So a good friend of mine, Daryl Willett, he played bass, and then uh, so the guy who, the guy who, um, who's my producer and uh, recorded all and everything. He's his name's Brian Whitesell. Um, he he wrote a song called "More Jesus" quite a while back that that got a lot of traction. But he's just a great guy, and so he he recorded all, but he did all the guitar tracks too. Those are very nice. Um, <clears throat> and um, so it, it was real fun that you know he said it was kind of a unique situation because he said usually he doesn't have the guy who plays drums also write the song and all that um <laughs> you know i wrote all the music and i wrote the you know yeah uh, the piano and all that but but so when we recorded it i kind of did a scratch piano and vocal and then i did a scratch drum yep. like with an electric drum set just to give him an idea of what i had in my head um and then we just went from there i love that um and i kind of had some ideas for guitar parts that i hummed out for him and you know but then he he put all his his amazingness in it and uh, but it was just it was super yeah fun. i love it the musicality is really cool uh it's got it's got a really cool sound too like it's it's very um like i said it's it's like it's, it has some modern elements but it also has like you know it i did you did you really like jars of clay growing up uh, I don't know if I really liked him. What was, I, I did what was like your him. favorite band? Yeah, I, oh, I mean, gosh. <clears throat> well, so I, I have a, just a crazy, uh, eclectic, uh, you know, <laughs> chunk of music that I that I was influenced by. I mean, I you know, I, li I definitely listened to Jars of Clay, DC Talk, Newsboys. You know, I went to like Cornerstone Music Festival yep. in Illinois yep. or whatever back in the day and saw them. And um, so all those bands I, I listened to. But then, uh, gosh, when I was a teenager, it was like, <clears throat> um, like Pillar. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, my them. gosh. Pillar. And like uh, Skillet. And, you know, so I've got. Pillar. So even like when me and my buddies used to play when I was a teenager, when we were all cutting our teeth, like I'd be playing drums in there on guitars. That was kind of our influence, the stuff that we were Pillar. covering in. Yeah. Oh, what was that I mean, one Pillar song? <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, their famous song—the one that they were most popular one. Uh, what is it? Oh, I loved Pillar growing up. They were—they were the Christian version of like. What were they? Because there's always like there was always a, a like a secular one to one, and it was like it wasn't right, it right. wasn't quite Creed, but it was like right, like almost POD kind of style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, Pillar! I'm yeah. gonna start listening to Pillar again. Pillar was so good. Uh huh. They got some good stuff. Oh, man. Yeah, you put me on the spot. I'm trying to remember. No, it's fine. Because the only reason I ask you about like the influences <laughs> no, is no. because I am heavily influenced in my musicality by pop punk when I was growing up. So mm -hmm. like really tight harmonies, I love. It's pop punk had really tight harmonies. A lot of people don't sleep on the harmonies that you would hear in like Yellow Card and Newfound Glory mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, Coldplay. So like piano medleys yeah. like that. Um, so I'm I'm really yeah. influenced like in my style by that. And then, uh, but yeah, I I I was I remember when my my bandmate and I did our first two albums. Um, I played drums, 
and electric on both and acoustic and sang lead on some of them in harmony and I just remember like doing doing a whole album was exhausting because one day we recorded like all the drums and all like it was mm-hmm. just it's just and I gotta have to switch my brain so I could I can understand like I totally get what you're saying when you're like you did the drums and then you have to completely change your mindset and do keys and they have to completely change your yeah. mindset and do like vocals it's just a whole so more power to you for that uh, yeah totally <laughs> no. Yeah, and it was it was a great experience. And I mean, then there's like all these other, oh, all these other bands I listen to, like Hillsong United, you know. Um, um, let's see. Uh, even even I don't know if you've ever heard of an artist named Jason Upton. Yes. Uh, so I like I listened to a bunch of him when I was like fourteen, fifteen. Oh, yeah. I hear that. And just kind of that that kind of that style you know i'm sure influenced me and uh um and of course um matt redman yep. paul blosh love uh, it so so what yeah. about until then walk me through until then uh and then uh we'll we'll probably go behind the paywall yeah so so until now until then uh that let's see i wrote that um more recently probably Two three years ago, um, gosh, <clears throat> and that was just another. I, th- I think the main thought behind that <clears throat> was um, just thinking about the the faithfulness of God. Um, and when I wrote that, like along with most of the stuff that I write, I don't. Ninety five percent of the time, I just I write in reaction to mm. things, or I hear a cool I hear a cool you know, line somewhere, I read something cool and I start thinking about it. And then I just, I'll think of a few lines and I'll just jot it down or voice memo, you know? And, and so like, I think that song was just probably a product of just thinking about God's faithfulness. Um, uh, cause the chorus is, you know, until now, until then you've proven your faithfulness over and over again. You'll be my God. You'll be my shelter, my friend. Yeah. No, you're forgetting. fine. I do that all the time to my own. Uh, but, uh, I'm like, I don't remember the lyrics. Yeah, and it's just the idea of you know, looking back at my life and all that I've gone through, and some of the heartache and things that I've experienced, and that like until now, and then until then, until eternity, like, um, he's proven his faithfulness over and over again. He's God has always shown himself. Uh, to me and love me and all these things. Yeah. Um, so I think all those, uh, just the verses are kind of expounding on that. So, uh, so that. what about like, you know, so I, I totally get that, right? When I wrote some of my songs, I wrote them from a really reactionary place to something super impactful in my life, just a dark time. Um, so like, I mean, without if going into too much detail, if you don't want to, like what, what was that? what was what was that time in your life like what was going on um well probably the 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 major thing that occurred in my life um so this would have been when i was 14 uh so that's yeah 20 21 22 years ago um um so my uh my brother passed Mm -hmm. away 
when I was 14. I have two brothers and a sister, uh, but my, my brother Matt, he just unexpectedly passed away, just a uh, heart failure. Wow. Um, and he was, yeah, he had just graduated high school and uh, he was super talented artist and um, and he was, uh, yeah, on his way to school that, that fall, you know, but yeah, it was just a, just a crazy thing. And so that, <clears throat> that thing, that, that event, um, that has really shaped my life and my faith in a lot of ways. Um, because, you know, I started off being super angry mm. <laughs> with God and not understanding why, you know. Um, but then uh, God really just used it, used it for good. And he, um, from that whole season of mourning that loss and wrestling with all these questions and everything, um, he... I, I then went through a time of, of really just diving into the Word, um, and uh, it just really came alive to me. And, I mean, then, like, also during that time, worship music and listening stuff, I mean, I, I would I would go to bed at night with my headphones on listening to mm. just worship music and just bawling, you know, and just 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 feeling, feeling the love of God, really. And wow. even though I was mad at Him, even though I was, uh, it didn't it didn't make sense, and you know all these questions. Um, I just really felt comforted and loved by him. Wow, um, that's incredible. And so I didn't. Yeah. No, keep going. I didn't necessarily. No, I didn't necessarily write that song specifically based on that. That was certainly on my mind. Um, because yeah, that is that's shaped a lot. But but that was uh, when I think of God's faithfulness, um, that that definitely is a, is a big thing. And then you know, my wife and I have gone through a lot over 15 years mm. of marriage and uh, four kids. And but God is just super faithful. Amen. Wow, I love that. That is an incredible story to to even share. Just because you know, <clears throat> I mean, it's story behind songs are good but i love to hear the story behind the person uh and that's incredible i mean it's it's really interesting i i see a lot of commonality between artists and people i've had on this podcast who wrote who have written songs um from times like that where there was that they were in the midst of pain and that was their time to lean on the lord and they did and things came out of it you know and some really good stuff came out of it i think um, mm -hmm. I think that's just such a powerful story to share with surrounding your music. And, and I'm, I'm just really honored that you would share it. Um, thank you so much for being willing to share that, Dan. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So what I know you said, like you've released two songs. Um, I had someone on the podcast at one point who, who kind of talked about like, you know, uh, Curtis Parks said he was, he's still looking for that song that he would have etched on his tombstone. Do you have? Have you written a song yet where you're like, yep, that's, if I were to die today, this would be like the song etched on my tombstone? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, 
Boy, I don't know. I've, I've, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is maybe just the chorus of Remind Me of Grace. Mm. Um, yeah. The kindness, grace, and wondrous love of God. And may, it ends with, may the only boast I make Which be I in that. response to the kindness, grace, and wondrous love of God. Um, yeah, that's definitely definitely what I, what I there you go. <laughs> hope I keep coming back to in my life. And, yeah, maybe that could wind up on the tombstone. <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, hoping you don't die now. Uh, but Hopefully not soon. No, yeah. please don't. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, okay, cool. So how about this? Uh, we'll probably go – we're going to go behind the paywall. Uh, and we'll, we'll, here's what I'm going to ask you when we go behind the paywall. What's your favorite song to lead worship on a Sunday morning? And, uh, like, if you could collaborate with any worship artist, de- like, old or new, who would you collaborate with? Uh, and maybe we'll talk about some other stuff too, but that's what we'll talk about behind the paywall. Uh, but thank you, Dan, for being on here. Obviously, awesome. they, people can find you, Dan Slater Music, uh, at Dan Slater Music on Instagram, Twitter as well too, I think. Um, yep. And then on yeah. Spotify, your Dan Slater. Is it Dan Slater Music on Spotify or is it just Dan Slater? Gosh, I should know that. It should be Dan Slater Music. Let me double check. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Dan Slater. If you just look up the song, too, remind me of Grace. It's Dan Slater. Yeah. It's just Dan Slater. There you go. And you're kind of wincing in the photo. You're That's like, the one. I just can't. You're, yeah. like, you're, like you're looking at the sun, or you're really a, uncomfortable with someone trying to hug you. Uh-huh. I was outside on a Sunday day in the field, and that picture I stole from six years ago, and you're right out staring at the sun, and I thought, I need some sort of cool-looking album art. So a, you know... DIY through some I love it filters on there and there we it, go. It did it did make me think of like jars of clay art album artwork. That that was what gave it yeah, to yeah. me like with like the uh, outline of the picture kind of messed up and the the dance later going it's like the vertical and horizontal text. Uh, I'd lo- I was uh-huh. I was I was vibing with just the picture. I was like, all right, let's do this. Nice. All right. Well, anyway, right. they know where to find you now. And um, Dan, thank you so much. Yep. Obviously, we're going to keep talking, but as but thank you so much to everyone for listening to this podcast. And thank you, Dan, for being on it. I hope you all have a wonderful Lord's Day as you worship together corporately. But with that, Dan and I are going to keep talking. So see you later. Bye.